Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I wanted to share a message this morning with you that I actually prepared for last week and then we ended up having Tone still with us and so it was great to hear from the father of the house last week and for him to bring a great message on taking ground. It was awesome. But I really felt the burden of this message didn't lift. It was something that God still wanted me to share. So I'm going to share that with you this morning. It's, I would say, if anything, it's probably offensively simple. It's an offensively simple message. Um, Most people will be like, is that all? Um, And okay, yeah, that's all. Um, But I think the offensively simple, I I remember hearing this story once of a pastor who went in to uh, uh, take on a church and he got up the first Sunday as senior pastor of this church and he preached the message and it was a fantastic message and all the the deacons and elders were waiting for him on the way out. Good job, pat on the back, great word, love that. It's a fantastic message, brilliant, thank you. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, everyone was very excited about the new pastor and he came back the next week uh, ready for church and everyone's like, man, last week was so good, I wonder wonder what he's going to share this week. And he shared exactly the same message and everyone was like I wonder if he realizes I don't know if he realizes he shared that message last week and 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 everyone was like not quite as enthusiastic but still yeah well well done it, it was good but there was kind of that weird confusion look on the face third week same thing again and by this time a couple of the, a couple of the more bold uppity ones are starting to get a little bit like doesn't he know what he's doing seriously who is this guy fourth week does the same thing again and they decide to call an emergency meeting and so they all gather with the senior pastor and they say, look, we don't know whether you've got some early onset, some kind of brain situation going on or just a really bad memory or what the heck's happening here. But you, do you realise that you've preached the same message four weeks in a row? To which the pastor replied, when you do that one, I'll come up with another one. Um, and so, and so it is offensively simple, but when you do this one, we'll come up with another one. How about that this morning? Fantastic. I want to share with you uh, the title of my message, and, and uh, there's, there's nothing, um, I'm not having a go at you in this, but the title of my message this morning is Discipleship for Dummies. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those, those books, <laughs> Discipleship for Dummies. I'm not saying you're a dummy. Quite possibly that's the title I got because I'm a dummy, but... <laughs> What I want to do is we've been talking a lot about making this transition from being friends to disciples, from friendship to discipleship. And that sounds lovely, but what the heck does discipleship mean? If you read the Bible, discipleship could quite easily be a lot of traveling on boats and food. Because most of the stories that we read is either walking, sailing or eating. And I'm all for the eating bit, not so much the walking bit. And not so much the sailing bit. But I I wanted to demystify and break down and simplify out of one verse in the Bible. I want to give you seven things. Jesus is so amazing with what he says that in one sentence, he can give me seven things that discipleship is or about discipleship that I believe will equip and help you. Uh, I love the potency of God and his words and the fact that in one sentence, he can give so much instruction if you're willing to dig for it and go a bit deeper and understand what is being said behind what is being said. I think that there's uh, seven quick things uh, about this verse in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. It's a 
common verse that most of us will have heard before if we've been in church for any length of time. If you haven't, don't stress. Uh, we've done away with these and thous. It's going to be really simple, normal, plain language. Um, and I believe that even if you are, are new to church, you'll be able to get something out of this. Are you ready, church? Matthew 4, 19, Jesus speaking, I can tell because it's written in red, and it says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the call that is initially given to the disciples. That's how I know it's about discipleship, because it was for the disciples. And I believe in this one sentence, God gives us a potent recipe for what discipleship is uh, in this season. And for us to be moving from friendship to discipleship, I think there's some keys here for us. And so we're just going to launch into it. Are you ready? Here we go. The first word of this phrase is come. Come, follow me. Which says to me that discipleship is a choice. Because anytime I say to you, come, you have the option to say no. I have a dog at home. I believe he was bred by the devil. I'm not sure. I love him to death, but he's a pain in the neck. And he has this thing. He thinks come means do whatever it was that you were doing. I say, come. And he looks at me like, what? And runs around. There is, a, there is an option for him to either engage in obedience or not to engage in obedience. And the first principle I believe that is here for us to take a hold of is that God will never force you into a discipleship journey. God will always say, come. This is what I want for you. This is my design, but you have to choose it. I won't force you or try and manipulate you or control you or make you do something. I want you to do this voluntarily. I want you to do this because you want to do this, not because you feel like I've manipulated and controlled you. Anytime somebody says to you, do you want to come over? There's always an option to say no, right? Unless it's your mum. Because then you know that you're expected to go over or there's going to be bad things that happen to you. The puppy dog eyes and the, the phone calls, you don't love me anymore and all that sort of stuff, right? But anyone else who says come, they're giving you an option. There's an out for you. And the first thing I feel about this is, is, is firstly, God is calling you out from where you are. In order to come, you have to change position. You have to move from where you currently are to somewhere else. Come doesn't mean stay exactly where you are. When I say come to the dog, come here. It's not, my, it's not a cue for him to sit exactly where he is, although somehow he seems to think that's what it is. But the truth of the matter is it's not that. It's what I want you to do is come from where you are to where I am. So not only is God giving you an option to say no, but he's giving you a level of direction in that come. I want you to come from where you are to where I am. When God calls you to come, it means you have to leave some things behind. If we know this story, we know that these men were fishermen that God was calling. And so there was a, an obligation to leave behind their livelihood. There was an obligation to leave behind their means of generating income. There was an obligation. So when I said come, it wasn't just come. It was come out from where you are. It was leave some things behind because we're moving into something new. And the call and the transition from friendship to discipleship requires us to leave some things behind. Requires us to move from where we are to somewhere new. But it's always with the option. You've got to want it. 
you got to want it. Number two, he says, come. Then he says, follow me. We've spoken about this before. Don't follow a program. Don't follow a methodology. Follow a person. Follow me. Follow me. He didn't say, follow this path up there to such and such. And if you go to the temple on such and such a day and do the sacrifices in such and such a way, he said, follow me. There, there is an element to which when we move from friendship to discipleship, we move from a place where we're maybe focused on uh, each other and what makes us happy to a point where there's a fixedness on Jesus where we begin to follow after Him, where we begin to set our eyes and fix our attention upon Him. Follow me. Don't, don't follow a methodology. You know what? Here's the thing I know about this church, right? Here's the thing I know about church in general. The message never changes. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the message. It's timeless. It's ageless. It never changes. But the methodology changes all the time. With every generation, there is a reinvention. With every generation, there is a tweak. There is a shift. There is a, and here's the problem that I find with people in church is they come follow a methodology, not a message. They come follow a way that we do church. Well, I don't like it when we do that up music. Okay. And? You're probably not going to enjoy heaven then because it's quite loud in heaven. I don't know if you've ever heard a brass band, but apparently there's a whole lot of trumpets and stuff in heaven and brass bands are loud, man. And the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. God is not afraid of noise. God is not upset by noise. God is not bothered by style. God is interested in substance. And if we will follow Him rather than follow a method, I went to that church because they did the songs that I like. Or I stopped going to that church because they stopped doing the old hymns and those hymns were holy. Now you had an experience with those hymns and it was the truth of those words. And can I tell you that the truth of the words of the songs that we sing today are just as relevant, just repackaged in a different way. The methodology changes, but the message never does. When your church changes its message, it's time to leave. When your church is true to the message, but changes the methodology, it's time to grow. Follow me, says Jesus. Jesus knowing full well that he was going to do some controversial things. He knew he was going to spit on the ground and rub it in people's face. That's a change of methodology. The cool thing about Jesus is he didn't start a ministry of spit on the floor, rub it in people's faces. It was just a moment. His methodology was so loose that he was able to change it to meet whatever situation and circumstance it was in. But his message was timeless. Mm. Follow me, not a program. I love this. And I will. <laughs> when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. He puts a mandate out there for you to respond. He puts a mandate out there for you to fix your attention upon him. And he says, when you do those two things, I will. I will. I will what? Well, I will. He always does what he says he would do. He does the making. See, he said, I will make. Which means you don't have to make yourself. He will do the making and the shaping of your life. He will, can I, can I relieve you of a burden? You don't have to make yourself a disciple. 
All you have to do is choose to come and follow and He will make. That relieves a great deal of burden from your life because we feel like we have to perform at a certain level to become a certain thing and achieve. Like, oh God, you know, I wasn't holy enough this week. And, you know, I didn't pray for that. You know, I should have, and I prayed for that person. They didn't get out of the wheelchair. And it's really awkward, you know, because we feel like we have to make ourselves into something. And yet God is clearly saying, if you do this and this, the things that you are responsible for, coming out, leaving some things behind, fixing your attention on me and following me in a level of relationship and connection, I will. I will, not you will, I will. His response to a heart that separates itself, that comes out and fixes its attention upon Him, is He begins the process of making that into something. I will. Isaiah 64 verse 8. I love it. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter, and we are all formed by your hand. You ever seen a clay, piece of lump of clay um, that wrestles against the potter? I don't want to be that pot. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to be that shape. I don't like the color. There's, there's a, a metaphor there, a picture for us of what it looks like to surrender to the hand of the potter, to surrender to the hand of the master craftsman. There's a scripture in Romans that says, does the clay protest when it is formed into a bin or a jar? No, it surrenders to the will of the potter. And there is so much for us to learn in that journey of surrender, fixing our eyes, following after Jesus, and rather than protesting it, the shape that we feel like He is making us into. I don't know if you've ever watched um, pottery apart from that scene in Ghost, which none of you would have seen because that's just, um, you know, you're too holy for that. But um, I've seen the commercial and... um, I don't know if you've ever seen, I've watched pottery people doing their pottery things and, and, and right until almost the last minute, I've got no idea what the heck they're doing. Like that is, it's just a lump of clay and now you've made it wet and it's messy now. It's going everywhere and I, I don't know if you're making an ashtray or what you're doing because that's what I did in year 11 <laughs> in pottery. Look, it's an ashtray. Nobody I know smokes, but I've got an ashtray. It's awesome. I don't know what you're making, God. This thing looks weird. It looks all deformed and misshapen. And then it's almost like in the last little second or two, there's a tweak and there's a push and there's a pull and there's a little bit of a, and all of a sudden, oh, oh, that's really nice. Oh, didn't see that coming. I think discipleship is a bit like that. It looks all lumpy and weird and you're never really sure what God is doing until he's almost done, and then you look at it and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. Here's the thing I know about clay, right? I don't know if you've ever worked with clay, but I made an ashtray, so I'm an expert. Um, When you leave clay in the sun, it starts to go hard. And hard clay is useless. And if you're working with a lump of clay and there's hard bits in it, you pick the hard bits out and you throw them away because you can only use the soft bits. I feel like for some of us, we allow ourselves to to bask in the glory of a yesterday's victory 
and allow parts of us to get hard and in the process render ourselves useless to the purpose of God. And it's like God is saying, unless you let me put water on that again, I can't make anything awesome out of this. If you're going to stay hard and fixed in what you think you know, you're, you're attached to a methodology and not a person. What about Abraham and Isaac? So Abraham takes Isaac to the top of the mountain to kill him. Heavy duty story, like you talk about family conflict, right? Takes him up the mountain and, and, and ties him down to an altar and puts him on the altar and raises the knife. Like we're talking, this is 11th hour, right? Who was it that said, I think it was um, Ray said last week, was it Ray or someone else said, it's, it's, uh, God's, God's never late, but he's missed some awesome opportunities to be early, right? And here's God, 11th hour, knife is raised, we're ready to go, this is a bad day. And then God speaks. Here's the question that I have for you. How many Christians got a word when they were a teenager and then stopped listening? You've got to be careful that you keep listening. Because if you stop listening, you might kill Isaac. You might kill your own promise because you're so fixed on what God said yesterday. Lazy people fix their eyes on what God said yesterday. Because it means I don't have to go out and find out what he says today. I'm just hanging on to yesterday. And you find yourself at the top of the mountain. If you're not listening anymore, you end up killing the thing that is the promise. You've got to keep your ears open. You've got to keep listening. God is still speaking. That's why we follow a man and not a methodology. Your job as a disciple, out of this verse, your job, and I will, your job is the daily surrender you're not the construction supervisor. <laughs> if we had a church, and I'm, I'm speaking of me, if I was the church, this is the wrestle for every Christian. God, I surrender. I, under, I, I feel like I'm the project supervisor and I have to come to the realisation that I'm not. He doesn't need my help to supervise the construction of my life. What he needs is my surrender. God, you said you will. So if you will, I don't have to worry about it. So I'm just going to rest and let you do what you've got to do. I'm going to stop resisting. I'm going to stop fighting because you said, and I will. And I believe that the promises of God are yes and amen. I believe that you're the potter and I'm the clay. And so even when I don't understand and it looks like a really weird looking ashtray, I'm just going to surrender, knowing that you're the master potter. And if you want me to carry rubbish, I'll carry rubbish. If you want me to be a pretty bowl that sits on a table, I'll do that. Whatever it looks like, God, I surrender. And I will. Make. I love make. See, nobody makes something for no reason, right? Everybody makes something with a purpose. And I will make. Make speaks of design. I will make. When I play with Lego, with my kids, of course, um, I don't just like make stupid shapes. I'm like, I'm going to make a motorbike. Oh, I'm going to make a car. There's a design. There's an element of deliberateness with which we go about things when it's a make. God didn't say, I will just let happen whatever happens. God said, I will make. In other words, I have a design, a purpose in mind. I have something for you to do. For we are His workmanship created for purpose, good works in Christ. There is something that he is making you into. 
It requires a level of deliberateness. It is not by accident. I don't know what you've been through, but here's what I do know. If you'll surrender to the purpose of God, he's got something he wants to make you into. It is not by accident. It is not like, well, let's just throw it on the wheel and see what happens. He's like, let's throw it on the wheel. I've got a jar to make. He knows exactly from the, from the beginning of time, he knew exactly what you were called to do and called to be. And if you will surrender, he will make. Nobody makes something for nothing. It speaks to his grand design and purpose. The, the, the fifth thing out of this is I will make what? I will make you. There's a personal process that we're in here. You know what? If Christians stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and worried about themselves, am I surrendered to God? Rather than, well, I don't know if that's very biblical or scriptural or, well, that's a bad attitude. That person did that to me and that person did. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. God is doing a work in you and it's personal and everything that is happening to you is happening for a reason. Everything that God is trying to teach you is wrapped up in that thing. And if you would stop for a minute looking at everybody else and what they could and should and would be doing better or or this way or that way or more spiritual, God is interested in you. Newsflash, God is not speaking to you about what He's doing in somebody else's life. God is addressing you on what He's doing in your life. That is the process of discipleship. I will make you. Not I will let you know what I'm doing with all the people around you so that you can go and give them helpful tips and advice. That is not what the verse says. God never, Jesus, if you look at His journey, He never went to Andrew and said, hey, Andrew, can you just go tell Peter? That is not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is, I will make you. This is a conversation between you and me. Stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. You do you. Because here's the thing, when you've got your eyes fixed on somebody else, you don't have your eyes fixed on him. Unless you've got some kind of weird disorder thing with your eyes, I don't know. But that's just weird, right? The truth of the matter is God is doing a work in you and if we spent less time worrying about what other people did or said or whatever and more time worrying about, God, what are you saying to me in this? What are you doing in me in this? What am I supposed to do? As a result of this, we will be further along the journey. I'm nearly done. Oh, time. Yeah, good. I will make you. Number six, fishes. Here's the thing. There's parts of the world where there are flying fish, right? And if you go out at night and you have some level of light, quite often the fish will be drawn to the light and they will jump out of the water. And if you're in a boat, they might even land in your boat. That's amazing. But it's not great fishing technique if you want to catch volume. There is a technique to fishing for people. I will make you fishers of men. What is God saying? I want to give you tools that will equip you for the thing that I've called you to do. Uh, You need to know what bait to use for what fish. You need to know what line, what weight of line, what rod, where are the best spots to go and catch certain types of fish, where to go to catch a squid. They, They were professional fishermen, they understood this. You need to know when to throw your nets down and where. You need to know how to clean the nets. and fix. There's technique. There's things involved. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to see how we go there. And God said, I want to instruct you. I want to give you methodology that comes out of your following. So it's not that we don't have methodology. It's just the end and the order, right? 
I want to give you a methodology that you can marry to your focus on me that will cause you to be effective in the thing that I've called you to do. I'm talking to fishermen and I'm saying to fishermen, I want to teach you how to fish. What am I saying? There, there's something about the deliberateness with which you go about your day to day that I want to transfer across into your call. There's something about what you do in your Monday church that needs to be affected by what you do in your Sunday church. I will make you fishers. There's a method, there's an art. There are things you need to know. You know what that does? That keeps you humble. If there's things you need to know, newsflash, you don't know everything. How awesome is that? Release yourself from the tension. You don't know everything. I don't care how good you are. Tone's amazing, and he's been such a blessing to my life. One of the greatest blessings he's been to my life is by just reassuring me that leaders don't know everything, and that they get it wrong sometimes, and that if they're big and they're secure enough, they apologize, they fix it, and they move on. Oh, so, I mean, it's okay if I make a mistake. That's amazing. Oh, that's such a relief. Oh, he was me trying to be perfect and just failing every day. And, and now I know that it's okay to make a mistake and to pick myself up and dust myself off and grow myself and learn from it and try not to do that again and, and embrace. Because, because God is teaching me how to be a fisher, which means there's things that I don't know yet. There's things that he still has to teach me. God is a teacher, right? He's going to teach you how to fish. He's going to make you a fish. It's, that's what he's doing here. That should keep us humble. Because for me, the journey of discipleship, more than anything, if we're going to be in daily surrender, it, it comes out of humility. And say, God, I need you more. I need more of you. I need to know what it is. I don't, I don't have all the answers, man. I've done some good things and I've seen some good things, but every day I want to reinvent. I want to go back and say, God, I don't know anything. <laughs> Help me out here because I want to fish. And the last point is I'm, I'm done. Wow, that's a miracle. Uh, is... I'll make you fishers of men. There is a very specific target in mind. Discipleship is not about you. Discipleship is about you getting you to the place where you are so that people around you are affected by how you do what you do. Not that you worry and focus about them because the methodology that you've learned about fishing for men is about what you need to do, not about what they need to do. And in the process of that, you become effective. People want to, I don't know if you know this, but people want to be around people who are secure in themselves. People like being around people who are confident and not insecure, who don't have anything to prove, who are not trying to shove something down your throat, but have a humility where they stand before God and realize they don't know everything and that they're on a journey. And yet their eyes and attention is fixed on Jesus. You know, if you live that kind of life, you will affect and infect your world like you wouldn't believe. That's my message on discipleship for dummies. Just seven keys out of one verse. It's amazing how deep it runs. One verse. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 